0: Christianity is being controlled and really winnowed down because the next generation will have no exposure to religion, there will be uh, shortages of leadership, there will be fewer Christians in their pews, and they will be seeing Christianity through a very
1: distorted lens of what the Communist Party's goals are. Those are strong words from Nina Shea, one of our experts on this episode of Religious Freedom Matters. We'll be hearing more from Nina shortly. I'm your host, Andrea Pachati-Bayer, my co-host for this important episode discussing the horrifying extent of religious persecution in China, is Senior Editor at the National Catholic Register, and my good friend, Joan Desmond. Welcome, Joan. Hi, Andrea. Great to be here. Now, few people know more about the shocking extent of religious persecution in China than Nina Shea, Senior Fellow at the Hudson Institute and Director of the Institute's Center for Religious Freedom. An international human rights lawyer for over 30 years, Nina works extensively for the advancement of individual religious freedom and other human rights in U.S. foreign policy. Nina has held several important positions, including serving for seven terms on the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. Thank you so much for joining us, Nina. Now, Nina, I'd like to start things off by asking you to sketch out what you think are the systemic threats to religious freedom in China today. Well,
0: you know, Andrea, uh, China has always had some regulation of religion since uh, Mao's death. Uh, It's never been completely free. But in 2018, President Xi uh, determined that he was going to uh, control an overheated Christianity through regulation. Um, With the Uyghur Muslims, he threw them into tension, massive concentration camps, and there were just too many Christians to do that. And there were hundreds million uh, estimates, up to 100 million Christians, too many to put in jail. So he decided that he was going to impose an ideological strategy called cynicization, which basically absorbs the churches into the United Front Work Department of the Chinese Communist Party. And this meant that priests, bishops, pastors would be required to um, indoctrinate their flock in CCP dogma, that's Chinese Communist Party dogma, to surveil them inside the churches and outside who was entering and what was being said, and to ensure conformity with the communist dogma. So that is the program that has been implemented. It's, uh, some of its features are that anyone under the age of 18, all children, minors, Um, are excluded from any exposure to religion. They cannot enter churches. They cannot attend Bible camps or Bible schools or catechism. They must have no exposure whatsoever to religion. It also means that President Xi's sayings um, have to be incorporated into the homilies and sermons of these uh, Christian leaders. There are also requirements for registration, Of this leadership registration with the communist party and this is a continuous career-long or lifelong program ministry-long program in which they must submit to the chinese communist party they must submit to continuous re-education in christianity according to what this atheistic party determines and they must pledge to be independent and this is orwellian speak for being independent of the Vatican, of the of Rome, of the, the, the Pope and the Magisterium, and also um, that they must be dependent on the Communist Party. So this is part of what is going on, how uh, Christianity is being controlled and really winnowed down because uh, the next generation will have no exposure to religion. Um, there will be uh, shortages of leadership. There will be fewer Christians in the pews, um, one could expect, and um, they will be um, um, more seeing Christianity through the eyes, through a very distorted lens of uh, what the Communist Party's goals are. Um, so it's not just simply you can't do this or do that. You can't preach, for example, against abortion or against returning refugees to North Korea where they'll be punished and killed. It also requires enthusiasm, fervor, love for the party. And um, one of the you know prime examples of how um, this distorts Christianity is a government textbook that appeared about two years ago in which the story, uh, the the gospel story of the adulterous woman is changed at the end with Jesus picking up the stone and stoning to death the adulterous woman instead of forgiving her and having mercy and saying, going, go and sin no more. The reason why this was distorted was because President C and the Communist Party dogma is that you must obey the law. There is no mercy, there is no forgiveness for breaches of the law. In fact, when President C ordered the crackdown on the Uyghur Muslims, which has been, by the way, declared a genocide by the U.S. government and several other Western democracies, uh, he said, according to documents that were leaked to the New York Times, he said in an internal party meeting, show them no mercy. So this is a big theme for for the Communist Party, to show no mercy, to strictly enforce the law. And this is what they're very much afraid of, that Christians will determine that some laws are unjust or that some people deserve mercy, and they will lose control.
2: It's so interesting the degree to which they see Christianity and other organizations, other churches, as a threat to the party orthodoxy. And, you know, Nina, per your observations about the attempt to create this kind of communist version of Christianity in which um, being a good believer is being a good communist party member in so many words. I saw a video posted on a Catholic news outlet in this country i won't say which one for now because i honestly don't know if they even picked up on it but i found it hard to believe that they couldn't because it basically was like a propaganda film a little version of one in which a priest said you know the church's mission in china was to be better citizens so not that the church opposes being better citizens but certainly in the chinese context that would be taken in a certain way and i was just shocked that there was no attempt, no uh, clarification in the presentation of the film or anything else as to why it was being framed in this particular way. So to me, it was um, an acknowledgement subtly that they've accepted this in some form, at least some churches have, and have moved forward with it. And the message to people outside the country, believers who care about China's, oh, don't worry, everything's good, you know? so. I don't know who bought that but there it was on a major Catholic media outlet so I found that really shocking you may have seen other things like that but I had some other questions for you you've been in close contact with Chinese Catholics in Hong Kong to what degree is the state sanctioned persecution and harassment of religious believers on the mainland now operative in Hong Kong and what are the dangers that lie ahead for Catholic priests and faithful there and to what extent Uh, Do they possess a measure of freedom to advocate and even help Catholics on the mainland?
0: Well, uh, Joan, that's that's a great point that you made about good citizens, because that is exactly what the Chinese Communist Party is demanding. It sounds innocuous. We all want to be good citizens, but it means that's all you can be. You have to follow the Chinese Communist Party doctrine, dogma, directives without questioning and to the exclusion of all others including Christian beliefs. so uh, and, and they're doing this, of course, with pulling down crosses from the outside of the churches by switching out uh, images of Jesus Christ inside the churches with those of uh, the president of China, Xi. So uh, those are just some, um, you know, few examples. But it really permeates um, all the beliefs, everything that's said and done within and through the churches. On Hong Kong, Hong Kong has not had a registration process. They have not had so-called patriotic churches, one for Catholics, one for Protestants. That is the way that that control is exerted by the Communist Party in China and mainland China. Hong Kong has been mostly free up until now. And in the last six months or so, there are signs that this is changing. There's tremendous self-censorship already across the board in Hong Kong, not just with the churches, but also uh, the Atlantic Magazine has a great article on the Foreign Correspondents Club. It's the same thing. It's transformed. They can't give away away their human rights awards this year because all the people they'd be giving it to are, are, are on the blacklist of the Chinese Communist Party. So, But they're pretending that it's nothing has changed. They are not acknowledging that there's been this invisible transformation with the same churches, the same leadership in Hong Kong, but now there is no protest, there is no dissent, there is closer surveillance, there are angry articles being written in the Beijing mouthpiece uh, newspaper, Hung Pao newspaper in Hong Kong threatening Cardinal Zen, saying that he's responsible for the fact that Christian schools, students' alums were protesting against the national security law and the extradition law, or making a, a protest um, against the encroachment of the Chinese Communist Party into Hong Kong, which, as you know, has been guaranteed a separate system, one country, two systems in the British handover, uh, until 2047. So it's violating that agreement with the, the UK, and instead encroaching now on those churches. The churches in Hong Kong, surprisingly, run about 60% of the primary and secondary schools in Hong Kong. So in addition to the Religion classes and curriculum, you have a really different campus culture in these schools, or at least some of them. You have a culture that's going to be based on individual dignity, and that is not a, a concept that it, that is accepted by the Chinese Communist Party. So it's going to there's already demands, requirements, directives for these schools to have a required course. Uh, at every level for the national security law. And this is a vague law with fuzzy red lines that uh, means essentially any criticism of the government or of the party or the system, or the way things are going, can be used as a as an excuse to imprison you for life as a national security offense. And that's exactly where Jimmy Lai, uh, what he's facing now. He is the the, the um, Catholic layman who is currently in prison. Um, he was the head of Apple Daily, which supported democracy in Hong Kong. And he is now facing, a man in his 60s, facing life in prison very wealthy man, and he has homes around the world. And he could have moved to the west, but he chose to stay.
2: It's an amazing story, honestly, Nina. We have to keep him in our prayers. What a what an amazing hero for religious freedom and for democracy, generally.
0: Yeah, he is, and there's so many, Joan. You know that you have Cardinal Zen also from Hong Kong. He has been the conscience, really, of the Chinese Church all these decades now. He's emeritus. He's, he's, he's no longer the, the bishop of Hong Kong, but he is 90 years old and he's there. But he has been silenced, effectively silenced beginning this year because it, what they do is hold hostage, essentially, the Chinese Communist Party holds hostage all the church leaders if any priest or bishop or pastor speaks out they could use that as an excuse to punish the church at large to punish other church leaders or to tighten their requirements for example on the mainland right now they've just a new uh, directive is to put a communist party cell in every school, primary and secondary school on the mainland, now that you have to understand that the Communist Party has already controlled the schools there for seventy years, so they still want to tighten that by having someone present there to run the school and to ensure that there are, uh, ensure that there are, as they put it, in the directive red jeans um directing uh, you know uh, in the school within the school creating fervor for the party so that has not happened yet to hong kong schools but that could be the next step
1: no nina i i'm very much suffering and praying for for mr lai and, and i was very moved by a number of i'm sure your friends here in the us who have spoken on his behalf and advocating using the purchase that they have to advocate for his release. And I, I'd like for our conversation to continue on the response of the international community and, and get started with the Vatican. I'd like your opinion and an update on, on the controversial 2018 provisional agreement between the Vatican and China, which was supposed to usher in a, a bilateral dialogue and give Pope Francis ultimate authority to appoint bishops vetted by Beijing Was renewed in 2020. Pope Francis continues to defend the deal, likening it to small steps carried out by the Vatican during the Cold War. But we are seeing, you know, there have been a sixth Chinese bishop was consecrated, but there have been bishops who have been put into these black jails as well. Tell us about what's going on and if Catholics in China have lost or gained as a result of this agreement between the Vatican and China.
0: Yes, that has been um, the big news coming out of China uh, as well, is the the 2018 uh, Sino-Vatican uh, Agreement. And this is a secret agreement, as you know, Andrea. So we don't quite know all the details in it, nor do we know why it's secret, but the Vatican has let it be known that it was about the issue to ensure a papal role in the appointment of bishops, as you said. And what it requires is for clergy to register with the Patriarchal Government-controlled Church, which is now under the direct control of the United Front Work Department of the Communist Party, and um, and uh, that pledge requires them to be independent of the Pope in Rome, which in the Roman this is a Magisterium. This is what Cardinal Zen has. Called an act of apostasy. A year after it was signed in 2019, the Vatican came back and said, "Oh well, you know, maybe that's not such a good idea that they have to sign the pledge. So we won't require it. If you have, if you as a priest, uh, your conscience does not allow you, you have the choice of declining to 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 sign that." And so a priest who tried to decline was, ended up being thrown in a black jail. That's a secret jail with no due process, no given time sentence or anything. You, you have no idea when you're going to be let out, if ever. He was, uh, he was uh, tortured for uh, three days until he signed it. So that is very problematic, and that's what's very controversial. Because it's secret, the Chinese Communist Party can go back and do go back to the Catholic faithful and say, you have no choice, and to the priests, you have no choice, the Vatican's telling you that you have to join the patriotic church. And, and so some have done so, some have left and gone just to their homes, have left their ministries because their conscience would not permit it, including a bishop, um, Bishop Goo he's essentially in internal exile. So yes, they, they say they've uh, uh, you know appointed six bishops under it. There are 40 dioceses that are vacant that need to be filled and there are six bishops either in internal exile or in house arrest or now in black jails. You know Bishop Sue has been in a black jail for, since ni- 1997. There is two bishops Zhang and Chi Tai, who has been in, who was taken into black jails this year alone, I should say Bishop Shao. He was put on, he was already been in and out of uh, prisons. I think he was last released from a black jail in November. He was taken away and put on a plane and his, his diocese has, has no idea where he is. So, uh, this is, um, uh, it it's it comes out even then it's a wash because you have six new appointments by the government uh, presumably with the pope's blessing but maybe the blessing came after the appointment and six who have been are, are are no longer in ministry because they are constrained by in one way or another by the by the chinese communist party they're either in black jails or house
1: arrest or or, or next I actually exile. think Nina it's, it's I almost think it's not a wash. I actually think that it's disadvantageous because the church didn't have the freedom to be able to select those six. And presumably in the past, um, the ones that are, you know, dissidents and in black jails were ones who were independent and autonomous. It's, it's a really troubling attack against the independence and the integrity and the religious freedom of the church to speak the truth.
0: Yeah, there is no religious freedom left. I mean, there are sincere believers left, but I don't think, I think they have to uh, really watch what they do publicly and where they go. I know that one uh, Catholic lady, layperson, has a mass, a private mass, um, by one of these bishops in his um, home a few months ago, and the, the bishop was then punished, and he was fined 25000 U.S. dollars for a mass in his home. They were just praying privately in their home. So, you know, what kind of religious freedom is that? There really isn't anything. There's very little left that isn't religious freedom. There is some opportunity.
2: Nina, what are people saying to you about what could have happened that didn't happen? And then that's one of the questions I have if I'm listening to you is, I mean, we do know that, that the underground church it's being squeezed out in some ways its leadership is aging out so we do have that reality but we also have the fact that we could be witnessing the hollowing out of the church this kind of edifice that exists externally but there's no integrity left that there's no young people going so it it's it just has a spectacle of life and and that life is just ebbing every day what are people saying might have happened to help shore up the religious freedom of Catholics, specifically, and perhaps more broadly, challenge you know the policies in some way that could be effective.
0: Well, I think that there could have been an, a, a more robust, you know, a, a, the Vatican could have helped uh, make an, a robust underground, and I think that the Protestants will do that. And so this means that quietly people would be meeting in each other's homes. It may it's harder in a surveillance police state, the high-tech surveillance police state that China has become in recent years, but it would be presumably you know, possible. And that's how they survived and weathered the uh, Maoist cultural revolution. I mean, there was, uh, the church had about a million or so members coming out of that cultural revolution still, including people like Cardinal Kung, who was imprisoned for 33 years under Mao for refusing to sign that pledge. And you know it, again there was a there were a hundred million Christians in 2018. We think well only 12 million were were Catholic half divided into the underground half uh, in the patriotic church. And I think it's going to be diminished church. I, I don't know how they're going to to survive this period without an underground. The great growth has been in the Protestant underground all this time. The hundred million, Christians, when people cite that number, it's almost, you know, it's vastly weighted in favor of the um, Protestant underground. So we're going to see a diminished church, an older church um, coming out of this. Uh, hopefully one day it will come out. And, you know, when you look at you telescope out and see what's happened to the other groups, it's really unconscionable that, um, our church leaders aren't talking about this, even you know what's happening to our churches over there, but what's also happening to others. Um, the Uyghurs uh, been called a genocide, and it's because they have disproportionately been uh, uh targeted with abortions, forced abortions, forced sterilizations, so that their demographics in one year uh plummeted their their birth growth rate plummeted twenty five percent The Falun Gong is a spiritual meditation group that's indigenous to china it 's not even uh you know uh, under foreign any kind of foreign influence uh, they're all Han Chinese majority Chinese. Ethnic Chinese, and they have, for twenty years been targeted with forced organ harvesting. They put them into detention in black jails. They're never heard from again thousands of them, tens of thousands of them in fact, tens of thousands each year it's estimated their vital organs have been excised and against their will, killed them and um a form of execution um and and the, and have been sold to to others, the the organs. So, I mean, these are atrocities
2: that are beyond belief. It's just shocking, honestly. It's 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 in the fact that our church isn't able to speak as so much. That this this deal, to some degree, has silenced Catholic leaders from openly challenging this. At least at the highest levels of the church, it may be happening.
0: It's it's completely silenced Chinese Catholic leaders. They have been completely muffled. There's. No Chinese voice that's coming out of China or Hong Kong at this point that is at all revealing what is going on under the surface. That these churches, you said it, Joan, are being hollowed out. Their doctrine and belief system is being switched out for the Communist Party doctrine and belief system and value system.
1: Well, and I'm I'm, uh, continually amazed on how China's getting away with it. With regard to the response of the international community, we just had the Olympics hosted in Beijing. Uh, a friend of mine who has children, a child that participates in, in Special Olympics, mentioned that a, a teammate of his went on to represent the United States in Beijing, and they wouldn't allow one athlete's assistant, her mother, to accompany. Um, and it was, you know, of course, COVID-related rules, but. That child couldn't participate in the Special Olympics in Beijing, um, and we just accepted these rules. And and it seems like when we talk about the religious freedom uh, restrictions and the oppression, the violence, things that just shock the conscience, the international community seems to just have no clue how to respond. What do you think um, should be... The, the response of all of us, especially the role that the United States has in standing our ground. As you mentioned before, we did continue to recognize the genocide against the Uyghur, um, but for this large persecution, especially against our Christian brothers and sisters in China, what is the voice, the strength of our voice that needs to be heard now?
0: Well, I think that we do have a voice. We have to use it. We have to tell the truth. Uh, we have to give them support. Um, I have been getting uh, uh, messages that uh, that, there, that the people in Hong Kong, were Christians, Catholics, were grateful to hear uh, us talking about this in recent weeks, and they can't. And um, So we need to keep doing that, keep raising awareness. Exposing the nature of this regime is really important because we do not want to be complicit in it inadvertently. And uh, I fear that American medical institutions are complicit, I know they are, wittingly or not, with the organ transplants and forced organ transplants. This is shocking. Uh, Major universities and hospitals are funding it Doing it side by side with them, they just don't ask where the the bodies are coming from. The bodies are coming are prisoners of conscience, according to the UN. They're they're prisoners of conscience in detention. And I spoke to one Christian two weeks ago who managed to escape with the help of the State Department, with the help of uh, Victims of Communism uh, Foundation here in Washington. And he was a Christian in Xinjiang, and he had been put in detention for 10 months. And during that time, they examined his heart and organs and took his blood sample and entered it into a government database, um, presumably for organ match. So we have to understand that, that this in the global world, we have to know what's going on there. the The thing, The main thing that we can do as Christians, of course, is pray. And we are organizing a a lay initiative uh, because the church is held hostage, including the universal church is held hostage or feels they are hostages and can't speak out. The Vatican doesn't want to, they think it will destroy their possibility of dialogue in this deal. And, and, and so the lay people should pray they can. And it has, uh, we, we called for a global, prayer for China. It's actually a global prayer for the church in China and for other uh, religious minorities and for everyone. But in specifically the church, uh, the day was chosen by Pope Benedict, who chose the Feast of Mary, Help of Christians, and on May 24th. And we decided to do it for a week, whether it starts on Sunday, May 22nd this year, or any day that week, to specifically have lay initiatives to go to Europe, priests or pastors or bishops and say would you dedicate a mass or a rosary or a vigil for this purpose and uh, globalprayerforchina.org has resources has more information it was actually the suggestion formal suggestion a year ago by cardinal uh, charles Bo of myanmar burma who issued this statement saying please pray for the church in china on this day of May 24th, that Pope Benedict XVI had recommended previously, and um, he is the president of the Asian Conferences of Catholic Bishops, so he is has uh, carries a lot of weight, and we lay people should be doing our part to to have such prayers and masses dedicated for this purpose. They can't. Who can complain about prayers? That's what. Churches do. They pray, and we should be praying for them, and we should be raising awareness of what we're praying for. Pray for those bishops who are in black jails, for others who are in black jails, for the Uyghurs who are being subject to forced sterilizations and abortions, for the Falun Gong forced organ harvesting. Uh, this is this is atrocities that we haven't seen since World War II, really, on an industrial scale like this. No,
1: absolutely. It's, it's incredibly... Um... Shocking! It's hard to wrap our heads around such horrific treatment, especially of something that we cherish so much, which is our our right and our freedom to believe and practice our faith, right, uh, without interference. And
0: China goes to great efforts um, Andrea, to yeah. hide this and to deceive. And we got a little taste of that, by the way, during COVID, the early pandemic, when they deceived, um, to, were deceptive to the. Um, uh, you know wh that 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 it that this was transmittable from human to human they denied that at first um uh, they suppressed the, the doctor the doctor lee who said that he saw signs of a pandemic They silenced him. That is what is happening with this situation as well across the board against religions, minorities, the religious minorities, like Christians, like Catholics and Protestants.
1: Well, I wish that we had more time because I think you are a font of knowledge. I would love to direct everyone to the work that you're doing at the Hudson Institute. Um, Thank you again, Nina, for joining us on this important conversation about the horrific persecution of religious believers in China. To read more of Nina's work, check out her page, again, at the Hudson Institute's website and be part of Praying for the Church in China. You can learn more about the initiative that Nina mentioned, again, at globalprayerforchina.org. I'm your host, Andrea Pachati-Bayer, director of The Conscience Project. I've been joined for this episode of Religious Freedom Matters by Joan Desmond. Thanks again for joining me, Joan, and thank you so much, Nina, for joining us. This was uh, exceptional.
0: Thank you, Andrea and Joan. Really appreciate it.
2: Nina, wonderful to have you on. You're truly an inspiration. Your testimony (laughs) really affirms the importance of religious freedom and our need to continue to speak out and pray for those, those suffering um, from persecution. Thank you so much.
1: Check out all of our Religious Freedom Matters episodes at the landing page of the National Catholic Register. That's ncregister.com and the website of the Conscience Project at conscience-project.org. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to Religious Freedom Matters on your favorite podcast platform. And thank you so much for joining us.